In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll, my monthly podcast series. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the second official episode of my monthly podcast series, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or my guests for my weekly radio show, feel free to listen to them on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel and download the app. Or you can always tune in using your favorite podcast app. If you missed last month's podcast, I interviewed Bella Evers. Bella is a sustainability digital transformation consultant, startup innovation coach, speaker, and motivational mentor, and an Atlantic Ocean rower. Bella rowed 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean from the Canary Islands to the Caribbean with three colleagues, three of her teammates, all in a pink boat, which I think that's my favorite part. (laughs) And during this interview, we discovered and talked about her adventures, her courage, and the training it took to complete this amazing feat. So be sure to check out that episode. Now today, my guest is thought leader Reshma Ramachandran. Welcome, Reshma. Thanks, Amy. So happy to be here with you. I'm happy, too, for several reasons. And I want the listeners to know why I'm so excited um, and eager to speak with you today. So listeners, let me give you a little background on Reshma. Currently, she's the group senior vice president and chief transformation officer with the Edico Group. Now, Edico is the number one employment and staffing industry company. And Reshma is based in their headquarters in Zurich. She is an innovative leader with 20 years experience working in multinational or rather multicultural teams and geographies around the globe, US, Europe, Middle East, India, and Southeast Asia. And you can imagine she brings a wealth of experience in digital and business transformation. Now she's got, uh, she's an engineer by education And she has managed to navigate the corporate lattice by consistently reinventing herself and breaking stereotypes. And listeners, to give you an idea of some of the awards and recognitions that Reshma has received, listen up. Top 100 global thought leaders and influencers to follow in 2020 and 2021. Digital Transformation Leader of the Year finalist in 2021 by the AWS, that's the Amazon Web Services. Named as one of the top 50 women in tech, thought leaders, and influencers to follow in 2021. Featured in 100 Ethnic Minority Executives 2021 by Yahoo Finance. Real People Engagement Award winner in 2020. That was based in Switzerland. Featured in Forbes DAC. Did I say it right? I'm trying not to say the CH part. (laughs) For Leadership and Innovation. Finalist Agent of Change, Global Women in Telco and Tech 2020, featured in Her Heroes 100 Female Executives 2020 for Leading by Example, and Mentor of the Year 2020 Gold Award by World Awards. 
And as I said, listeners, this is only some of the recognition from Reshma. So you can see why I'm so delighted that she has accepted to be my guest today. Reshma, it's impressive. (laughs) Amy, it's it's a privilege to be on your show. Super. So I have a bunch of questions that I want to jump into. You ready? I am so ready. Okay, good. So now almost every Fortune 500 company is going through a transformation in one way or another. So let's start first by giving us a definition or maybe examples of what you call transformation. And then tell us your role as the chief transformation officer. Yeah, sure. And I would, I would, I'll try and make it very simple. So I'll actually draw an example from our personal life. So when we okay. think about transformation, let's talk about transformation uh, in, in lifestyle. So, you know, I, I hit my 40s a couple of years. I turned 40 a couple of years back. And, uh, you know, that was when you realize that everything that you eat goes into your waistline. <laughs> so you just grow wider, not taller. <laughs> Uh, so I started with the objective of saying, you know, I would like to lose some weight. Uh, and what, what I realized was that when, he, when I was actually very focused on losing weight, I had a target. I wanted to lose at least 10 kilos. Uh, you know, obsessing and focusing on that did not really help because every mm. morning I would stand on the weighing scale and I wouldn't even be losing even 100 grams. Mm. And then I, I, I met a nutritionist and she's told me to change the whole outlook and uh, asked me to look at it from a completely different perspective and um, think not in terms of losing weight, but in terms of changing the lifestyle, healthier life. So the moment I changed that, and in in about a year's time, I lost the 10 kilos as well. But this is how I define uh, transformation. So transformation is not so much about, you know, the losing weight. It's about how you lose weight because it needs to be sustainable. And it needs to be, uh, sustainable in the sense that the moment you actually stop tracking and measuring something that probably is an outcome or a consequence, you are still able to maintain the um, the the fundamentals of it. So a lifestyle change, you know, you you portion control, you actually have some physical activities. And this is like I walk to the train station and never take a bus. So it's about a kilometer, but I walk to the train station. So these are things, fundamental changes that you make in your life. So I just give this example because it's easy to relate. Uh, now, let's let's take an organization. So it's not an individual. It's large organizations that yeah. we're talking about. It's something very similar. So the idea may be to uh, grow your top line or improve your profitability or change your revenue mix or change your market mix. But it's not so much about that consequence. It's about how you get there. Uh-huh. So this is also where... Uh, a couple of things in transformations. It's really moving from point A to point B uh, and the how of it. So it's, it could be uh, a technology, use of technology. And we all live in a, a, a t- technology world. You, you look at this, we are not in the physical room. We are doing everything virtual. Uh, it, it also comes with uh, a lot of the culture part. This is where people are really at the heart of any transformation. And then I think what has also historically changed from the 80s and 90s to the era that we are living in is future-proofing the business. So if you look at the 80s, take automotive automotive, uh, companies, you know, cost reduction was a target. So Toyota came up with this lean process, you know, Ford, General Motors, all of them wanted to actually adopt that. This was one kind of transformation, but it was in that era, you are actually just improving your operations. 
Yeah. But look at General Motors now, if you think about their transformation, they're not just improving their operations, they've actually got into electric vehicle mobility, completely different technology of cars. So three elements, I would say, the technology-enabled one, the people definitely at the center of everything, and future-proofing your business. Mm. And um, so I really like the essence of the analogy you gave earlier. It's not so much, to, and tell me if I'm capturing it, not so much focusing on the results focusing on the how in order to achieve the results. Exactly. So the why, so in the, in, the, in the weight loss example that I gave, the why is you want a healthier lifestyle. The how is how you get there because it needs to be sustainable. And the what is, of course, your you know, 10 kg weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, you've spoken about technology and transformation. And of course, this goes to you being an engineer and technology being your passion. Now, Peter Drucker famously said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. (laughs) Rishma, what do you see as the role of people in culture and transformations? Because you quickly mentioned culture earlier. So, you know, I think uh, Peter Drucker said this uh, two decades back. It holds uh, very true even today. Uh, We can have uh, all of the fancy strategies that we want, but at the end of the day, organizations are people, customers are people, suppliers are people. So at the end of the day, if you're not touching the daily behaviors of people, Mm. you are actually not executing your strategy. You're actually not able to execute your strategy. This is where the culture element comes. And to me, uh, all the transformations, and this is the fifth largest transformation that I'm part of. So the last two, this one and the past one, I was leading uh, the transformation. The other three, I was more uh, part of the transformation. And uh, I can uh, I can uh, tell you, like also from experience, if you are not addressing the people part of it, the change part of it, what's yeah. in it for me and how am I going to do it and addressing the organizational culture at large, mm-hmm. you are not changing. This yeah. again goes to the lifestyle part. The lifestyle part is a behavior. So I could actually diet for a month and lose that 10 kilos, but you know, it's sustainable. No, in yeah. order for it to be sustainable, I need to actually change the, my daily habits of saying, I'm not taking the bus to the train station. I'm going to walk. And during COVID times, you know, you're not taking the train or the bus, but you say that, you know, 40 minutes every day, no matter what, I'm doing one round of my little village that I live in. So you are actually folding it. This is a whole cultural change yeah. that needs to happen in the organizations. You know, Reshma, I've just started, I like to listen to audiobooks. I don't really have the patience for reading and I, it gives me an excuse to walk and listen. And I've just started this book. I'm wondering if you've heard of it, Atomic Habits. And um, I'm trying to think of what the author's name is. Let's see if I can find that. He, um, have you read that book? I've not read that book. Uh, as I was telling you, Anne, Anne, our common friend, Anne, she, yes. she referred the book as well to me. Okay. Oh, that's so funny. Yes. So um, it's James Clear is the author. And it he really gets deep into this idea that it's about, you know, the, the, the mindset and the, uh, what, you know, that it, that's what you have to change in order for, as you say, for it to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The small, consistent steps to the larger change. Yeah, he talks about 1% changes. And, you know, over time, that's what matters. That's what counts. Yeah. I'm curious, um, and you may have some ide- examples later on, though, uh, either in your personal experience or in the um, 
zeitgeist as a whole. Are there examples um, that you can share where culture wasn't taken into consideration and what happened as a result? Uh, so I would I would take you know so some of the famous large transformations that failed Nokia being one mm-hmm. Kodak being one so Kodak is a famous example I like to give where uh, you know the Kodak was actually the first company that came up with the digital camera but since Amazing. the yeah the the whole uh, company was uh, fundamentally made of chemical engineers who didn't want to let go of their forte so to say right. They kind of killed it in the organization. So the people who came up with the concept of digital camera, they killed it. I didn't realize that they had come up with the concept. That's crazy. How how sad that can be. So this is where the culture, the culture was predominantly, uh, uh, you know, where there is a strong group of people who are these chemical engineers, you know, coming up with this new chemical technologies, making these uh, uh, the the, the cameras that no, no longer use more efficient they dominated. So this is a failed transformation. Another yeah. great transformation, which is a classic example and which is like lauded in so many of these business magazines as well, where culture was taken into account is Microsoft. So mm-hmm. Microsoft, so today you know, the market value of market cap of uh, Microsoft is what, 3 trillion, 3 trillion, <laughs> exactly. I mean, how, you, you can't even fathom that. So the whole transformation of Microsoft when Satya took over in 2014 up until now, so about eight years, has been fundamentally focused on changing the culture of the organization. Mm -hmm. It was never so much about, you know, we want to become a three trillion company. It was never about that. No, I see. Fundamentally about how we make people collaborate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really fascinating. Uh, my sister, um, who developed the Predator Prey Partner model that I use, uh, Microsoft has been one of her main clients for many, many years. Um, and yeah, I, I, I want to um, make a, uh, an assumption that she helped contribute to the, some of that collaborative shift. <laughs> Maybe I'm not sure trillion worth. <laughs> Excellent. You know, you talk about uh, and you believe in the power of human magic. What does human magic mean for you? And how do you unleash that power in an organizational transformation? What does that look like? So, you know, human magic is a, is a word that was coined by Hubert Jolly, who led one of the, again, one of the most successful transformations of our century, the Best Buy. Um, he was a CEO when Best Buy was literally going bankrupt and in eight years, he has really turned it around. What was his name? Hubert Jolly. Okay. Uh, and he has written a book. So since you're an avid re- reader, yeah. I recommend that. This is called The Heart of Business. The Heart of Business. Um, and uh, see, to me, human magic is something very simple. All of us have more potential than we believe. In. This is why coaches, mentors, sponsors work very well, because someone who believes in us when we don't believe in us. So this is really, we all have more potential than we know. We all yeah. have more potential than we believe in. So at the end of the day, if we really have to future proof the business, which means we have to invent the unknown, we have Mm -hmm. to innovate, not knowing what tomorrow looks like, Mm -hmm. who knew two years we would be in COVID, right? So we have to innovate, we have to uh, predict the future, literally. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. how can you do that? You can only do that by unleashing this human magic, Mm -hmm. unleashing this potential that is within all of us. This is where, for me, transformations, again, fundamental part of transformations is about understanding that human magic exists, 
Yes. Understanding that, you know, what motivates people. So what motivates you is very different from what motivates me. Mm-hmm. Imagine when you were working for large companies, 30,000 employees. Uh, my past employer had 140,000 employees. Wow. So it's literally getting to each one of them. But the moment you get to each one of them, you are able to unleash that potential, the hidden potential. Yeah. And then you are no longer this command and control manager. Mm-hmm. Who's saying, you know, you do this and you do that. You're not managing any of that. You're setting the context for these 140,000 people or hundreds of thousands of people. And they are actually going and inventing that future for you. This is the only way organizations can grow. Because uh, in my mind, and uh, Amy, you talk to a lot more of leaders than I do. You probably know it better. The whole command and control kind of leadership is gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're paying a big price when they do that. Yeah, absolutely. You, I love how you say it, uh, human magic. And it's true. One of the things that constantly surprises me about the coaching work I do is, and it's also um, uh, past boyfriends of mine have also benefited from this, is uh, when, when the end relationship is over or when the coaching is complete, one of the things that seems to happen is this increase in confidence. Not 100% of the time, with, at least with the boyfriends, oh, a lot more often than I expected. Um, there, and, and with the clients, and I explained to them, we don't specifically work on confidence, yet the work we do, the how, one of the byproducts is that you will increase your confidence in yourself. And that is, it feels like such a wonderful gift that I'm able to give people through the coaching process. And, and I saw it with myself. I, my very first coach, he would have me fill in a form before the session. And I only, you know, it's only a couple of questions. Though, Reshma, I got so into that, I would be writing for 45 minutes. And I don't love writing, okay? So I would just like, oh, and then I did this, and then that. And the, it was the same impact on me. My confidence in starting my coaching practice just kept increasing through and one of it was um, observing successes. I don't know if you want to share about that because I know that many uh, professionals and people are good in their job. They think, well, success is just a given. I'm supposed to do that. We can't dwell on it. We shouldn't spend time talking about why it's what worked. And when I do that with my coachees, when I do it myself, there's that um, sense of, oh, that's why it works. So raise it to the where, a level of awareness, and then it's more, even more available to you in the future. I, I agree. And this is, you know, this goes, I would extend it a little further to also call out what we call as a growth mindset. Yes. So it's, about, it's really about also celebrating the little wins, but keeping a completely open mind to say, you know, no matter what I do, I'm only learning. I'm making no mistakes. And even when you have actually, you know, you, you have an, all innovations or transformation in, I would say any large transformation, there is a lot of element around innovation and innovation happens only by making mistakes. And I always tell my teams, you know, it's about failing fast and learning fast. So you can't keep doing the same thing and expect better results. So no, that's a no go. So you fail fast, you learn fast and you know, okay, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the next. Mm -hmm. And then it's also important, no matter the hypothesis didn't work. It's also important to actually celebrate them and saying, hey, listen, we know yeah. one of those doesn't work. Yeah. So this is very much the growth mindset 
And yeah. uh, I, I really like that also in parenting. So um, as, mm. as I'm telling you, I have a teenager and this is something that we also do with him because sometimes, you know, he's not so sure he wants to try something. And we right. tell him, you know, there is no failing. You learn. So just go and try out as much as you want because you learn. And then when you learn, you know that, okay, that was not good enough. You can move on to the next. Yeah. Reshma, my mom had the same philosophy. She's like, oh, failure just means you're going to learn something. And I feel so lucky and I'm so happy that you have that philosophy and that you bring that into your, with the people you work with and as well as your son, you know, it's just such a gift to help people embrace the idea that failure is is not the thing to be, you know, sh- ashamed of or to avoid. Yeah, and I'm glad you you spoke about your mom and what it has done for you because you know I'm still talking as a mom about my son. Yeah, uh, I think this is something that uh, as a parent, yes, we we kind of underestimate the influence we have on our children, and I'm really happy that you give kudos to your mom. It's <laughs> the same thing. I feel we underestimate as leaders. So mm-hmm. we don't know the little actions, little words, what impact it has on our teams and with the wider organization. So it's very important that as leaders, we maintain, we continue to maintain that growth mindset and not beat neither ourselves up nor our teams mm-hmm. up for, you know, again, quote unquote failures because mm-hmm. it's just learnings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to suggest we take a break in a minute. And when we come back, I'm going to pick this up. Uh, Now, listeners, if you want to connect with and find out more about Reshma, you can go directly to LinkedIn. I'm going to spell her first and last name for you. Reshma is spelled R-E-S-H-M-A. And then Ramachandran is R-A-M-A-C-H-A-N-D-R-A-N. Or you can go to her website, Accenture.com. And if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers to the next decade, join me for my online leadership presence course. You'll find more details on my website, carolcoaching.com. When we come back, we'll hear more from Reshma. So stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behaviour changes in voice, body language, words and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. 
We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back, listeners. My guest today is thought leader Reshma Ramachandran, and we've been discussing leading business transformations. So we're going to jump back into it. Reshma, well, actually, let's just give a shout out to Ann Taylor, because uh, we were just raving about how wonderful Ann is. And I like that, you know, you said you knew that the chemistry was there and that you have a good connection with each other. So that's why I'm very, I'm very glad I found Anne. So uh, just for the viewers, you know, she's my coach and I'm extremely happy that I've decided to go with her for the executive coaching. And she's got a fabulous book, listeners. Uh, Reshma, do I have it right? Soft skills, hard results? That's right. Yeah. So you, that's it is chock full of very applicable, very useful information. But there we have it. Okay. So now, Reshma, I'm curious to know, what are the biggest challenges you faced while leading business transformations? So the biggest challenge in any leadership is internal. So the uh, any transformation is really internal. We are not talking about an external challenge. We always have the market. We always have the opportunities. You know, it's a question of who captures that opportunities. And I always say this, you know, even if uh, I'm, I'm the chief transformation officer, the real chief transformation officer is always the CEO because he's, he or she is really the leader of the, it's like the captain of the ship. So the captain of the, you could have a chief engineer who's helping you with things, but you know, the captain of the ship is really one who steers the company. Um, so in, in, if you ask me what are the greatest challenges, and I would say, you know, across the five transformations that I've had, there are two parts to the challenge. One is the leadership itself. So the executive leadership, how much do they believe in the transformation? Uh-huh. So if they believe in the transformation, then comes the question of how much are they willing to change? Mm-hmm. Because fundamentally, any organizational transformation is about individuals changing, which collectively results in a change. And change always happens at the top. So okay. it's about, you know, it's like saying, um, uh, uh, let's talk about uh, the, a digital transformation. So okay. we, we are running a li- digital transformation. And imagine if the executive leadership says, we will not use Zoom. We will do all meetings uh, physically. This defeats a purpose because actions are always louder than words. Right. This is the first part of the challenge. The second part of the challenge is a wider organization. No one, independent of whether change is good or bad, change is always uh, associated with negative feelings. Hold on. Let's say that again. Change. Right. Oh, really? Always negative feelings. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. that's a hard road to. Exactly. Because, you know, you what what, what is the definition of change? Change means you are stopping to do something and you need to do start doing something. Right. So that something else could be good for you. And, you know, I don't know, uh, Amy, if you remember, there is a famous picture which shows, you know, some people pulling a cart with square wheels. And there's yeah. a guy standing next with the round wheels and saying, listen, this will help you. And they're like, no, this is, this is change because, you know, they have to change these square wheels. Right. So the larger part of the, uh, I would say the challenges, uh, once you have fixed, let's say the executive leadership, the larger part of the, or the next next leg of the challenge is really uh, the wider organization. And as I was saying at, before our break, you know, it's really about connecting to each individual in the organization and telling them what this change means for them. 
Mm-hmm. So it really connects, and I take uh, Edeco. My current transformation is an example. You know, one of the reasons why I joined Edeco was the purpose, making the future work for everyone. So think about it, and we place about, we touch the lives of about three and a half million people a year. Wow. In, in, yeah. So it's really we can actually change the lives of people. So starting with a refugee who comes to France from you know one of the African countries without any degree certificates, or to someone a you know, completely white collar job could be a CEO of a, a company who is going through a career transitioning. These are the wide spectrum of people. uh segments that we actually cover so this resonates with me so much because i like helping people and i feel that i have a connect to the transformation so this is a challenge that i face today that it needs to connect with the 31000 employees right what does this transformation mean to me what does this purpose mean to me so this is also the reason why transformations are longer So you don't expect to transform a company, a large company, in three months, twelve months, no? Yeah. Typically, transformations take about three to five years. Five years is when I'd say it primarily becomes business as usual. Wow. And did you did I understand correctly that you like start with yourself first to make sure you're fully committed to the driving it, and then what do you do when you've got the resistance? How do you handle? What are some examples of some of the internal resistance and how do you address it so the simple answer to how do you handle resistance is conversations what is famously mm. called the change conversation so mm. we can't you know it's impossible for us to believe that i would come and tell you amy you change your blue shirt to a pink one and you say oh, wonderful i'm going to wear a pink tomorrow no this does not happen this comes with the conversation as to why the pink would actually suit you better so maybe right. you try it on maybe you want to match it with your glasses maybe you should get a handbag that goes with it so there is a lot of enablers to change hmm. so i would say that uh, in again this is this is also the reason why uh, change change management that goes with uh, large business transformations is hard simply takes time you need to connect with uh, a large number of people uh and oh, okay. uh, there is yeah and there is no silver bullet to it it's simply mm-hmm. change conversations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in those change conversations because that's where my area of passion is in those those one on one to one to group conversations um what are what is some advice that you have or learnings you have from those things to definitely avoid or things to include so definitely avoid is actually uh, blaming because or or going in and saying listen whatever you're doing is wrong and we mm-hmm. need to stop this and you know do something else this is something i i i i think because you know we have got here any organization because of everything that we have done in the past to, so to go and tell those people that whatever you have been doing in the past is wrong is a clear recipe for failure okay so this is something to clearly avoid what needs to be done uh, again probably not a silver bullet answer is more understanding the motivations of people so a lot of people that i talk to in my organization at the moment a lot of them actually join the company because of the purpose we want to make the future work uh-huh. we want to make it an equitable world we want to make it an equal world we want every segment of the society to have access to employment we believe in skills we believe in talent we don't believe in degrees or labels so this is something that attracts most of our talents to us and then how do you connect with them um so here uh, i would say group conversations more so i i don't do too many individual conversations it's more group conversations i see but in 
group conversations it's about allowing people to talk about their passions and then helping them connect it to their daily work mm-hmm. so avoiding blaming encourage them to talk about their passions and then making that connection mm that's beautiful yeah cuz that's how you find the motivation that makes sense yeah you know um reshma with like seeing the awards and things you've gotten it's clear that you're a champion and advocate of diversity and that you're doing remarkable things working in work to bring women of color into leadership roles so i'd like to just first for say thank you thank you for that thank you for acknowledging me ah like there's people out there doing that and so my one question i have for you um is the, more of a general question about women do you think that women are somehow better suited to be leaders in crisis and change and if so what is it that our male counterparts can take from us or what can we take from male counterparts So I I may be very biased when I say it but you know I leaving aside my biases research proves that women are better crisis leaders take yeah. take take the leader of New Zealand when covid hit she hit the all the news channels simply because she was one of those uh, people who handled the crisis pretty well and then there was a lot of news articles that came you know um, Angela Merkel for example so all women leaders handled the covid crisis much better than the male one mm. and uh, the research as well but my experience uh, again uh, goes in the direction of our feminine skills we are mm-hmm. vulnerable yeah. we are caring yeah. uh, we have humility so mm-hmm. we are not in crisis what you don't want us to go and brag and be arrogant and you know not understand mm-hmm. that people are also going through a lot of emotions people also have all those doubts so you don't want to actually bash them more So this so, is so I want to I want to slow you down because you're saying so many rich things. So vulnerability, uh humbleness and there was another one that I um you said um not bragging um, caring. caring. So vulnerability, humility and caring. These are humility. all feminine skills. Mhm. caring. Yep. so uh, caring so you when you care you are actually able to relate to people people are able to relate to you vulnerability is when you are actually going and saying you know you 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 have fears too and you just uh, you just need to navigate the fears yeah so i do believe that business transformations which is which is not always in a crisis mode but typically you know not done well gets into a crisis mm. mode and business trans- there are very very few organizations schneider electric is one of those which got into a transformation when everything was going good there are very few organizations who actually get into or go into the the strategic business transformation when everything is doing well because you know yeah. saying then you know success is a prison when you're yeah. successful you don't want to change you don't want to attach anything so very few organizations uh, get into transformations when they are successful 99% of the uh, organizations microsoft included uh, got into a transformation when they were doing not so well yeah. this is where uh, feminine leadership traits are much better suited mm. to make that change happen and once mm. the change happens and probably for growth and again not excluding women it's not that we don't have ambitions our our expression of ambition is different Yeah. So when it comes to growth it's a different skill set and traits that leadership traits that you need but in crisis and change amy research again yeah. covid proved that yeah proved proved prove it to the entire world yeah. that you know women leaders are much suited for that yeah yeah i i know working with my 
clients, one of the things that I've started working, uh, focusing on with them over the last maybe seven years is allowing um, more vulnerability. And, you know, for some of them, it's just a horrifying idea because it feels really scary. They feel exposed. And I, you know, explain, okay, it's, it's, it's really going to, it's going to serve you really well. I promise. Let's, you know, let's just hold on to this as a possibility. And last year I worked, I had the pleasure to work with this amazing senior leader in Japan. It was a woman and um, she caught on to the power of vulnerability and she just has made it part of her um, leadership qualities consciously to allow for vulnerability. And of course, you know, Brene Brown is the, the queen of, of, of helping us to understand the power of vulnerability. So I think that's a good shout out for people. If you're curious, men and women, if you want to expand your vulnerability, check out Brene Brown's work. You can start with her TED Talks. You can, she's got uh, books on tape that are just fabulous and inspiring. And the other thing is humility and caring. Yeah. And it's not that men don't have these qualities. It's just that maybe in those moments of pressure, stress, crisis, um, change, that they may um, kind of default to a safer setting. And that's why what your point is that, that in these, particularly in crisis and change, that a woman has a willingness to go into the, that, those three spaces. Yeah, that is one part. And I would say, you know, in any, as in with anything else, we have the, uh, we, we, we can categorize into masculine versus feminine. So masculine yeah. traits versus feminine traits. Yeah. And again, this is, this is just the statistical part of it. Women have those feminine traits. This is why it's called feminine. And men have certain masculine traits. That's why it's called masculine. Right. right. So, I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, men cannot do, do the job well when it is crisis, but they need to exhibit feminine traits, right. which is vulnerability, which is humility, right. which is caring. This right. is not a masculine trait. Right. Okay. Here's another one for listeners. Um, tell me what you think about this, Reshma. If you want to develop your humility, um, I have two approaches for you. One, let's say your um, listeners, you're having a conflict or a disagreement with someone. One thing would be to say something like, um, oh, um, you know, so let's say, uh, um, Reshma, you and I are having a disagreement and you say something to me. And, and what I can say back is my, after I check, Reshma, did I understand correctly? You're suggesting this and this. And then I could say, and Reshma, you know what I appreciate about what you said is. And then you, I, I, I would identify something that it authentically, or I appreciate because you're letting me know how you feel or how important this is for you, or you've given me information I didn't know. So the first step in, you know, the humility would be just to simply thank the other person first. They've given you a gift, let them know what it is. And then step two, when you're in disagreement, I, I don't know if I've actually done this yet. I've been playing with it for a couple of months to actively prove myself wrong. <laughs> so you and I are having a disagreement and I'd say, you know, Reshma, I think you're, and this is only if it's, if listeners, if you believe it's true, you know, that they're, though you're, you've got to be willing to see it from the other person's perspective, though, I would say, you know, Reshma, when you tell me this, I realize that it makes a lot of sense and that maybe my approach, there could be some problems with it. 
And the irony is that the impact it has on you, Reshma, I'm guessing, is a willingness to explore my idea, nonetheless. Is that true? Is that the impact that... I, I, I fully, fully agree. And I'm happy that you're summarizing it much better than I could have articulated. And for your viewers, I also have a book that I can suggest, which is a nonviolent communication by Marshall. Preach it. Oh, yeah. Give it up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. NBC. And I, yes. And both of what you said is exactly also the fundamentals of the nonviolent communication. So it's, it's really okay. about... Uh, relating with the other person and not taking a stand. Uh, and probably, you know, some of these uh, fantastic negotiation books also would say, because it's not really taking a stand. And I really like how you articulated, uh, Amy. And I'm not so good at taking that step back uh, when it comes to difference of opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I'm actively uh, practicing it now. So it's a, it's a good perspective refresher for me. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and you've got a fourteen-year-old home, so you could practice it probably every day. <laughs> and I cut you off when you were saying it. So, for listeners, the book Reshma recommended is "Nonviolent Communication" by Marshall Goldberg. Rosen, Rosenberg. Rosenberg. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, that's you know, it's funny the work I do. That to me is like the the pair to it. I talk about a lot about the how, and for me. Nonviolent communication is about the what. So powerful. I also have started using it, Reshma. I call it um, giving myself emergency self-empathy. <laughs> you know, I do something and I'm like a total jerk or I'm really upset or someone's mean to me. And I just say, Amy, how are you feeling? Well, I feel embarrassed and disappointed. Like, like um, this week is um, um, g- give, um, help me. Give me a second. I'm going to find it. Um, random acts of kindness week, apparently. Okay. So I said, okay, I'm going to do a random act of kindness. And I bought a bouquet of flowers to give to someone. And the first person I saw was an elderly gentleman and he was getting, putting the key in for his mailbox. And I said, sir, I wanted to, I, I have these flowers and I'd like to offer them to you. The guy wouldn't even look at me. He's just like, nope, nope, not interested. (laughs) And so I walked away with my flowers feeling a bit sad. And I honestly, I was, it really took the wind out of my sails. And then I was like, okay, Amy, how are you feeling? I was embarrassed. I was disappointed. I was a little bit frustrated. And I think there was a little bit of shame somehow because he wouldn't even look at me. Like somehow he thought I was trying to scam him into giving him tulips. I don't know. (laughs) And so um, that helped me to shake it off, you know? And then also, you know, I was like, well, and what are you needing, Amy? (laughs) Well, I I need acknowledgement. And I, 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 I want to have a connection with someone. So then sure enough, a woman walked by a few minutes later, she had her little son with her. And I said, and I said, Amy, you know, try, try again, right? You fail once, keep going. Your mom would be proud of you. And I handed the woman, I said, I, I'm offering flowers to people today. Would you like some? And she said, oh, yes, thank you. You know, big smile. Her kid's going, what is going on here? <laughs> and so um, I, 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 there's a couple of things in that random acts of kindness. It's also for me to get out of my comfort zone to do something that feels scary or, or vulnerable, because I might get rejected, which I did, and I survived it. (laughs) 
So um, I don't know why I went off on that tangent. <laughs> yeah, and you exhibited growth mindset. So you didn't Thank you. <laughs> and you actually went to the next person. So kudos, Amy. Thank you for that. <laughs> so um, I, is there anything else before we jump into? I have one last question for you, though. Um, around your work around diversity and um, supporting uh, women of color, is there anything in addition that you want to add to that or highlight? No, just just for all the viewers. So I also have a LinkedIn group uh, for women of color, and I believe, and this this probably comes with my twenty years of transformation experience. I believe in change conversations. I believe in conversations. Let's just put it that way. I believe in conversations. So one of the things that I felt women in general, but also women in specific, uh, we don't normalize things. Mm. So so when you said, you know, you experience shame, this is a normal feeling. We don't mm-hmm. normalize. We actually mm-hmm. beat ourselves up yeah. way too much. And I, I, why I say believe in the power of conversation is because every time I have, I have felt low, every time I felt like, you know, I have beaten myself up or the external world has beaten, up, beaten me up. I've always had mentors, coaches, friends, you know, just my girl power that I go and actually talk and I feel, oh, this is normal. Yeah. So so for all, all your viewers, Amy, the LinkedIn group is an open group. So feel free to go in Wonderful. there. It's more for women of color. Uh, I just want to make sure that, you know, in a world that we live in where there's so much of bias and discrimination and you just don't know whether you are at a point where you should give up or you should push yourself. And this is when yeah. you need a helping hand. Yeah. So that's this group. So come there, talk about it, you know, have those conversations. Most of us have gone through it already. Happy right. to share the uh, um, our own experiences just to normalize. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Will they find that easily on your LinkedIn page? They, they, they will find that very easily on my LinkedIn okay. page. Okay, great. Oh, Rashna, thank you for that. Well done. And so I guess my last question for you is, what is your life motto? <laughs> and how do you live it in this, incredibly unpredictable world and especially when we look at what the pandemic has thrown us into uh very very good question interesting question personal question so i can put a lot of adjectives there so you know at the start uh, probably we I, I i should have given a short short introduction of myself I, so i'm indian i grew up in india uh, and in the rural part of india uh, and it comes so i'll answer the question my life's motto so I just need to give a, a, a short, short uh, a preview into my uh, uh, growing up years. So, you know, I grew up in the rural part where we didn't have electricity, reliable electricity. So I really went to the best schools, but mostly studying under a kerosene lamp or candlelight. So, uh-huh. uh, and we didn't have uh, clean drinking water. We always had, it, had to carry buckets. Uh, even for uh, a shower, you know, the, there was right. a fixture of shower, but no, no water comes out of it. You always had uh, water in a bucket. Uh, same thing with public transportation, unreliable public transportation. So it's not the Swiss public transportation that runs on time, you know, fantastic world class. So why I say that is, you know, there, is a, there, there was a story that was written for me. This is how you would end. You're born uh-huh. here and this is how you know, your life would actually work. So 40,000 people in this little village, this is how their stories are. Mm-hmm. So my life's motto is, life is really what you wake up. Yeah. You are in charge of your life. So you can actually mm. uh, uh, be the story that was written for you or, and my life is a classic testimony to that. Um, I I didn't 
want that story for myself i have written yeah. a story for myself and again when people say you know i had these choices in life i decided to choose this no i didn't have too many choices in my life opportunities were what i either created for myself or what was given to me but yeah. how best you make use of that opportunity is what defines you wow that's beautiful and thank you for the back story that helps to appreciate it even more so reshma we're just about to wrap up and i would love to hear one like a call for action that you have for the listeners and the viewers so my call for action would be very similar to my uh, life's motto which is uh, life is what you make of it mm. so call for action is this you know we all like our comfort zones yeah and our comfort zones are not uh, where growth happens growth yeah. happens so in just outside of the comfort zone is the fear zone this is the zone that is most difficult to navigate outside yeah. of the fear zone is the learn zone and the last is the growth so call for action for all your viewers for us for you and i and i was very happy when you when you narrated the tulip story we were talking about the comfort zone yeah need to get out of your comfort zone yes. fear zone is there do not get stuck in your fear zone this is also where all your self limiting beliefs come and mm-hmm. amy you rightly said you know your shame your vulnerability what do people think of me your fear of failure everything is in the fear zone and that's also your self limiting beliefs do not get stuck in the fear zone do not succumb to your self limiting beliefs get out of that go learn go grow beautiful wow thank you for that reshma and what i'll add for the listeners is Listeners, you know, I'm all about communication, effectiveness and and to really help you um removes all the challenges you have. So, I'm going to invite you to send me any communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps or blunders you have. And they can be old ones, they can be fresh ones. And also, if you have successes, we can learn from those too. Reshma and I were talking about that. And you can do this via email or just through social media. I'll read them, I'll discuss them on future shows and make suggestions. My email address is amy@carolcoaching.com and that's carol with two r's and two l's. And Reshma, thank you. This has been an absolute treat. For the listeners, if you want to connect with her, you can go either to her the website accenture.com or LinkedIn. And remember her name is R E S H M A and then R A M A C H A N D R A N Listeners if you want to check out my next episode be sure to switch on tune in listen up and be inspired when I'll be interviewing Terry Real who I think actually Terry I don't know if Terry's going to be next month or the month after after so it could be a surprise uh, guest next week next month so I'm going to leave it at that And if you want to for more information check out my website carolcoaching.com connect with me on my social media channels Amy Carol Coaching Reshma thank you again Thank you so much Amy And thank you listeners you've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carol on the podcast with Voice America Happy partnering everyone Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carol Join Amy for another edition next time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week and remember, make your partner look good.